Hey guys, thanks for tuning in again. It's a bit of a wacky week in MLS soccer, so we're going to break down some of the U.S. international friendlies because it's going to be a short MLS week. Joining us today, we have Sir Alex, and we're bringing in Bill to help us as we talk a little bit about these March international friendlies. So Bill, thanks for joining us again. And uh, first things first, we saw you at Red Bull Arena this week, which means you are officially back in the action. How's the beginning of the season treating you so far? Pretty good so far. I mean, uh, for the, the Red Bulls, I feel like the first five and a half games, just uh, the finishing wasn't there. And then all of a sudden in the second half, just they, they really wore the life and you know, were converting easy chances, which in the first couple games of the, uh, you know, the campaign, both in the league and in TCL, wasn't always that easy. So definitely, definitely good to see the team going back to, to you know, getting that killer and take back. Absolutely. Now, the the first uh, five and a half games, of course, we're talking about the first two MLS games and uh, those those four CCL games not looking very good. Um, let's move on because we do have Alex here. Um, three weeks in, a lot of information to take in. What is your biggest surprise so far of the uh, 2019 MLS season? Hey, uh, thanks, Bob. Great to be back. Well, if you can go in a couple of directions, I'm going to go with D.C. United right off the bat. Uh, three games, seven points, no goals given up. Very impressive. Uh, another travel hasn't been a factor for them yet, and I'm still waiting to see how that's going to treat them. But right off the bat, D.C. United, first place Eastern Conference, no goals given up after three. They're looking really solid. That's a surprise of the year for me. Absolutely. But that, that's one of the teams that I called. I, I'm going to take the credit now. I, I called D.C. United. They look great uh lucia costa is is going to be an every week starter on my fantasy mls team so bill what about you what is your uh biggest takeaway from march it's i mean it's really hard to say you know nobody wins a trophy in march you know you can just look at seattle and all the uh, galaxy teams that you know essentially took half the season off and came out and still won mls cup at the end so um, you know, definitely DC flying out of the gate uh, does not, uh, you know, fill me with a, a great deal of confidence. Uh, I think New York City looks terrible. Uh, I'm not sure how long that you know, Dominic Duran is going to stick around there because so far I'm just not seeing anything from them. Uh, like what I see at LA, uh, LAFC, and um, you know, uh, like I said, it's 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 still early, and especially with uh, seven teams from each conference making the playoffs this year, and just you know, and one and done. It's it's so early to, to, to say who is going to do anything. It is, of course, but it is not early to say who looks good. For me, it's it's Minnesota. They've looked great. They've had three road games. They're two and one in that span. Really, really came in hot at the start of the season. And of course, NYCFC are have three ties. Not, not a good start. Not what they were looking forward to do. And to surprise no one, that field looked horrendous. The the first two home games. At Yankee Stadium, there. Um, before we get started, I want to point out we're re- we're actually recording. Uh, we started on Monday. Um, it's Tuesday now, and we're going to release this uh, probably on Wednesday. But it's still close enough to St. Patrick's Day. We had our football podcast, and we talked about our luckiest player in U.S. soccer. So let's just go around, uh, have a little fun. This is uh, St. Patrick's Day special. Who is your luckiest player in U.S. soccer? Let's start with Bill. Uh, I, I say anyone who played on the 1967 Dallas Tornadoes team, uh, go look them up sometimes. There's a little BBC doc to get about them. This is one of Lamar Hunt's early teams, and they essentially went on like a barnstorming tour of the world, including playing in like Cambodia and North Vietnam. They got shot at like a hundred times. All those guys are lucky to be alive, and it's one of the most ridiculous stories of the old NASL. So go check out the uh, the old Dallas Tornadoes sometime. Absolutely, we'll have to check that out. Now we're not all. Uh... 
sports history buffs, so uh, that that reference may have gone over a few heads, but that that sounds awesome. You said there was a it was a documentary. Yeah, um, uh, I think BBC's World Football did a story on them. It's a, a, a radio show podcast. It came only two or three years ago, but just an absolutely wild story. And it's like you know, kind of the uh, the wild west days of uh, the original NASL. Awesome, Alex. Your luckiest player in U.S. soccer. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Michael Bradley. Uh, he's back on the team again. A lot of people thought he wouldn't be back after Clemson's firing and a failure of making the U.S. national team. Uh, we got a new coach. Brand new set of players, and look who's right in the middle again, Michael Bradley. Uh, I think he's the luckiest player there is. Uh, after the fairly last World Cup, you know, a lot of people yeah. expect him not to come back, and he's back. I, I, I may have been one of them. Obviously, this is when we're going to talk about them later. It's a new look, much younger squad than we've had in a long time. Uh, so Michael Bradley, definitely a lucky player. My luckiest player is also Alex's favorite player, and that is uh, Alex Mule, uh, or Mo Wheel. <laughs> Um, he he is absolutely the luckiest player. He finally played his way off the squad. What happens? Fluke injury. He gets to play, and in his, I guess, uh, second-half debut, puts two goals in net for the New York Red Bulls, and now it looks like that position is his. Um, really unfortunate uh, news we got today that uh, Velo looks like he, he has a torn ACL and is going to miss the rest of this season. It's in a different knee than the one he tore last time. Obviously, a really long road ahead, and we wish him well my luckiest player in the world the one who won't go away alex he won't go away he's coming back for you uh, alex we with satan you cannot kill satan but you got to give him credit this past week he played well uh he had two goals he was in the right, right place at the right time he hustled uh he walked you know, him he in. usually does yeah you know he played well you can't you can't take anything away from him he was uh, one of the reasons why the rebels won this week yeah yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of changes at halftime, and it really was a, a, a tale of, of two different halves, as Bill alluded to before. Um, Bill, we need to ask you, where do you weigh in on the uh, Alex Mouil saga? Are you are you pro? Are you against? Are you uh, you you have to prove it to me? Where are you? He's always going to be one of those players that. Um... You know, he, he reminds me a lot of kind of what Bellucci was to Hans Bacher, what Eric Alexander was to Pecky. You know, he's 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 Armis's boy, and uh, you know, he's always gonna he's always gonna find his way out there, even if he's you know if he's had a couple games where he's off, and uh, you just never know what what you're gonna get from him. But when when he's on, he's on. So um, and clearly he came in uh, and was not gonna waste his opportunities. And the you know yeah, the first goal might have been tapping. The second goal was anything but that took. A lot of skill to finish, so very happy to see uh, see some good play from Alex. Absolutely, and the kind of the the thing I always think about him, and I I am a critic, and it's because it's it's like the it's like a dog chasing a bike, like he's out there, he's doing the work, he's putting it all in. It's like a one man wrecking crew at certain points, but once he gets the ball, like he's just confused sometimes, like he doesn't know what to do with it. Um, obviously, yeah, we some, I, I think it's I didn't mean to interrupt you, but sometimes this soccer IQ you got to question it. That's 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 the most frustrating thing about him. Uh, he's, you know, defensively he seems to be right on, but sometimes when the ball's at his foot, 
he seems to not know what to do right away, and that's the that's the most frustrating part about Alex Mill, in my opinion. And it it almost seems like he he would be one of those be- candidates to you know finish his career at right back or something. Because um, he, I've been saying this is last year. I, th- I think he'd be a great right back, but you know, I knew there was talk last year when Jesse Marsh's coach thought about putting him back there. I still think that's on the table down the line for him in his career. He's like the opposite of Sal Zizo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A winger who was forced <laughs> to play back and couldn't play. Like yeah, a... you, you, you can make that uh, analysis, yeah. Thank you. I just did. Okay, we're going to move on and talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team. Now, when we look ahead this week, there are only five MLS regular seasons games uh, preceded on by the Thursday U.S. men's team versus Ecuador. And uh, after that, next, next week, next Tuesday, the U.S. men's team is going to take on Chile. Of course, here at IED Sports, we're covering the national team. I want to start by taking a look at this roster. Um, I posted it for the guys to see, and, and hopefully I will edit that in right now so we can all take a look together. Let's start with Bill. Bill, when you see this roster, what are your initial thoughts? Um, I think it's the clearest look of what... Greg Berhalter's A team is going to be going forward into this uh, this Gold Cup year. Uh, it's younger, which uh, I'm I'm happy to see. But there's still a couple guys that are on the team who were you know who are holdovers from the the team that failed to qualify for the World Cup, and that is always going to give me some pause. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, Michael Bradley's day in the sun uh, has long since passed, and you know he's also uh, taken up a, a spot on the field that belongs to Tyler Adams. Uh, and it you know, doesn't seem like he's uh, going to be ready to relinquish that role just soon. So definitely better. Uh, I, I like a lot of the young guys being included in there, but I still think there's a couple dudes who, uh, whose time has passed, and, uh, and they need to move on. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about Tyler Adams, because that's a player we all got to see a whole lot of on the field. Um, Alex, I know you wanted to get into it first. Tyler Adams out of position. It's kind of what we thought it would be. He's going to be playing right back. That's from Burhalter himself. And, of course, in the system, the right back goes up and plays defensive midfield when the team is in possession. What are your thoughts about this strategy? What are your thoughts about playing Tyler Adams at right back? I'm torn about this. I don't know how to look at this. You can look at it two ways. Uh, Burhalter's come out and said he wants his right back to play a little different style now. Uh, he wants his right backs to be attacking when we have the ball. Uh, and Tyler Adams would fit that kind of role. Uh, the problem is West McKinney, Michael Bradley, they all play the same position as Tyler Adams. One of them had to move. Tyler Adams has played right back in the Red Bull system, in the Jubilee for Red Bull 2, and in academies growing up, and he's open to the switch. I say let's give it a shot, see how it is, but I'm not totally sold on how this is going to work out right now. I'm not sold on it either, and the reason is... Yes, he is going to be playing, hopefully most of the time, if this if they're winning possession, at the center defensive midfield position. However, his value to me and his value to the team does not come when they are in attack. It's when they're in transition and when he's defending back. And that is when he's most valuable. You saw him last season. He only had four assists for Red Bull, so he's not the guy up there creating chances. Oh, he, he's, he gets every 50-50 ball. That's, that's what's so great about Tyler Adams. The Absolutely. question here is beyond uh, Yedlin, where the Berhalter is looking at Yedlin, moving him up to the wing. I don't see Yedlin playing wing. To me, he's still a right back. Uh, I'm a little confused on that part. Maybe he's not happy with Yedlin as a right back going forward. That's why Adams is going there. 
but I don't see Yedlin making a team as a winger at the starting position at all going forward. Absolutely. And Bill, what are your thoughts about the position change? Tyler Adams at right back. Are you giving it a chance? Is it a mistake? Uh, I, I think, you know, so long as Tyler Adams is out there, you're going to get an incredible performance from him. I mean, if, if my option is, you know, uh, Tyler at right back or no Tyler at all, I'm going to take Tyler right back every day. I think Bill's um, right. Yeah, absolutely. Bill's right on that. Absolutely. But, but the uh, other he, option but, would be... But do I think... I, but I, I do think that it is a better lineup to have him in, you know, in Bradley's position. And uh, I don't know, I don't know who else, you know, I, I don't know how exactly you solve the winger, uh, you know, who, who you're going to put the, at the wing back there. But uh, I think just because you have a versatile option doesn't mean that you, you know, just because you have a joker doesn't mean you should go and play him there. I mean, it's, you know, his best position is, you know, absolutely. In that, uh, you know, They've already said that in in this current camp, Christian Pulisic is going to be playing that number 10 position. He's going to be the attacking midfielder. Pulisic, Tyler Adams, um, maybe you throw McKinney back there with him. That's a really, really good looking midfield, but we're not going to get to see that because Michael Bradley is still taking up one of those spots. And I do have to say, he looked good in the early, uh, in the early, early spring camp. Um, those, those first two games there, he looked good. He wasn't, you know, the pass back happy guy that we've come to know and love. So there is some hope there, but, um, I mean, say what you want about Michael Bradley. He does bring leadership qualities and this is a young squad in camps. Maybe that's one of the reasons why Berhalter brought him in. So to think he's still going to be on the team four years from now, that's, that's another stint. Yeah. You know, it's another, yeah. we can discuss that later, but you know, I think the only reason he's in camp now bring a little veteran leadership to the youngsters in the midfield. And, uh, you know, he does provide leadership, so that, I think it's the only reason why he's there. Okay, we really talking I mean, has Michael Bradley learned anything from the last two years? Has he, uh, has he become, you know, uh, a better leader uh, after failing to get his team to the World Cup and uh, running a miserable season for Toronto last year? I'm not sure that he is, uh, he's become a better leader as a result of that. Uh, I think if anything, if you really listen to some of his comments, he's kind of a little bitter. But everyone's kind of calling for him to, to step down. So I'm, I'm not sure I'd buy that whole that was a good thing to have Bradley in a leadership position. Well, who, who won the armband? Yeah. Who won the armband in spring camp? Wasn't Bradley. I, I think they're trying to transition him out of the leadership position and just have him do less. You know, he's he's been asked to do so much and failed. Now, just go back and play center defensive midfield and just do your thing. And he looked much better. And I think it was because of the less responsibility um, and because he, he, he doesn't he's not the guy on this roster anymore. He's not the guy. So we talked a little bit about the midfield. Let's go quickly to my biggest question about this roster. Who's going to score? Zardes looks hot in MLS, but he was anything but in the earlier U.S. men's national team camp. It, could it be Corey Baird? I don't know. I, I'm going to assume it's going to be Zardes starting up top at striker, which probably doesn't bode well for that position. Do you have any thoughts on that, Bill? I mean, you know, uh, like we were talking about this over the weekend. Like, that it's going to be a you know, Jim Class Hero for you know, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was the term. Jim Class Hero. It's when you're good against your peers, but when you're put in a higher competition, you, you don't. It, it doesn't translate. It doesn't translate. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah and, and MLS is not Ecuador. Right? And MLS uh, competition is not Chile. And you know, he's been able to to revive uh, himself. All of a sudden, he's 
turning heads again and scoring goals left, right, and center, uh, you know, wearing black and yellow. But uh, it's a different thing when you all of a sudden going up against teams you're much better than. And uh, that's where I'm not sure that we're going to see we're going to see that from as far as who is going to score. Um, you know, uh, I, I think you certainly have to look at you know uh, look at a guy like Jordan Morris if he's back and healthy again. He just has that knack for just finding you know just finding that goal where it needs to needs to come in from kind of that old school. You know, you have almost playoff hockey style. Who who's going to be the guy that's going to be in front and going to get it? And more often than not, it turns out to be him. Absolutely. And Jordan Morse is, you know, naturally, I guess he plays as a wing, but he's been cutting in and playing kind of like that one-sided striker for some of this season. He already has three goals. Someone we talked about last week, really, really great story coming back from an ACL injury. He's still young. He's, I, I believe he's 24. Okay, Alex, uh, okay. Alex now I'm going to toss it to you. Um, Jesse Zardes, now I'm going to assume he's going to start. When you look at all the forwards on this roster... Who sticks out to you? Who's scoring the goals? Is it Corey Baird? What What's going on here with this squad? Uh, in, in a uh, huge loss for talent, um, they're really missing Josie out the door, I believe, here. Yeah, and Bobby Wood wasn't called into camp either. I know he likes to, he's been called into camp, you know, he's been one of our forwards in the past. Uh, Chris Ramirez is probably going to get the first chance here to show what he can do. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to work out or not. Uh, yeah, apparently he's had a good camp. Uh, He's getting shot in the one. Corey Baird, I'm not sure. He's still very young. Those show signs like to take guys one-on-one, but I don't think he's the guy that's ready to go on. Uh, we know about Paul Ariola's skills. Uh, he's another guy I'm not sure he should even be here. We know what he can do. Uh, it's gonna Going forward, probably Josie Altidore and Jordan Morris are going to be our one-two starting. That's the way I look at it. Absolutely, him, and, and I, see, I see Paul Ariola on this squad, and he he's off to a really good start. That D.C. United attack looks great. We, we do need to mention there are two guys that you could assume are going to be on this roster at some point, and that's Sargent and, uh, and Wea, who are now with the under-23s getting ready for uh, next summer's World Cup tournament. Um, those are guys who you would assume would be on this starting roster. And Jonathan Lewis is kind of surprising to me. Uh, he, he hasn't looked great. He's being a sub for NYCFC is not getting the minutes that you would expect. Um, just kind of puzzling. He's, he's not on their starting roster, but he's on this starting roster. I, I don't really know what's going on there. He's under 23 and it will be a uh, qualify for the world cup. So it, it just seems, seems odd that he's here and the other two are not. I guess I, I totally forgot about Kim way. He's been lighting it up for Celtic. So, I mean, you know, when yeah. it comes time to come up with that, that gold cup roster, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to, to bring him in because, uh, you know, he scored for PSG, scoring for Celtic. Yeah, bring him in, man. Let's do it. And I, I Josh Sargent also I'd like to bring in. I think right after uh, this under-23, they're going to be right in there. They should be right on the Gold Cup roster, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, Josie can go play golf as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> A lot of experiments we've seen here that, that have not <laughs> come to be. Hey, to me, Josh, Josh, Josh Sargent looks like he's going to be a major player in the U.S. national team going forward. I really like him. He's physical. Uh, we have a, He reminds me a lot of Brian McBride. Uh, we haven't had a tough player up front in a while. I'm um, really hoping that things pan out with Josh Sargent. Absolutely. And um, I think we could all agree it's it's a very interesting time for U.S. soccer. It's definitely one of those transition periods. Sometimes you have a couple of players come in, a couple of players leave. This is this is all open. It, it's Every position is up for battle. And there's a system. Berhalter has a system, and he's just going to look for the best players who fit right into those spots, um, which is going to be a lot of fun to watch in the next couple of years. Of course, we have Gold Cup, we have the Olympics coming up, and um, 
you know, World Cup qualifying for the one we just missed. So in the next three years, it's going to be complete roster turnover like we haven't seen in a long time. Really exciting to watch some U.S. men's team. That's this Thursday and next Tuesday. Hopefully we can all uh, tune in and, and be back and talk about it. Uh, some U.S. victories and, and some positive takeaways. And Jossie Zardes scored seven goals. Now let's change it up and look at the MLS games for this match week. Now there's only five. Um, and we start out. Saturday, 5.30, as FC Dallas hosts the Colorado Rapids. Alex, what do you think is going on in this game? You have a prediction for us? Yeah, this is my upset week. I'm going to take Colorado one nothing over Dallas. Uh, I changed my pick late. Uh, Colorado's been playing better and better each week. The results haven't been there. Uh, it's been a weird international break week. Guys are coming and going on both teams. For that reason, I'm going to take Colorado on the road with an upset one nothing. Absolutely. Kellen Acosta has really just transformed this midfield. They haven't gotten the result, but they passed the eye test for me. Um, so, really, really good stuff there. Um, we're taking them to beat FC Dallas at home. I can't wait to see the odds on that because FC Dallas is going to be a huge favorite in on the sports books. Um, Steve, uh, Bill, do you have anything to say here? I mean, I'm. I, I wouldn't say I'm. Dallas is, is that much of a favorite? I don't know about that. I mean, especially without having Jesse Gonzalez in goal, uh, getting the uh, the late call up to replace Zach Steffen, uh, you never know. Uh, you, know you never know when that's going to turn into something else. Let's say um, Tim Howard is ten million years old uh, and standing in goal for Colorado doing his little retirement tour. So uh, this one screams one one to me. Could could be, but for, for me, and, and we talk a little bit about sports betting. And we talk a little bit about how I play the odds. If if I think a game is a 50-50 shot, when I see this book, Colorado might be plus 450, meaning you get 450 back for every dollar you bet. And if the chance of them winning is better in my mind than that, that's a bet I'm going to take all day. And I'm going to be really, really watching the sports book real closely. Colorado Rapids, I think they're, they're going to be a heavy underdog um, in Vegas. And that's something I'm going to look to jump on for next week. Moving on to the 7.30 game, Philadelphia Union host the Columbus Crew. Now, this Columbus Crew is obviously without Zardes. Philly Union is without looking like a proper soccer team this season. Alex, what is your take on this game? Not having Zardes there is killing me. I would take Columbus Crew in a heartbeat in this game. That's the I'm, I'm going with the 1-1 tie in this game. Uh, due to you know, international call-ups. Philadelphia actually did not look that bad against Atlanta last week. They got the point on the road, which was shocking. Uh, I'm going to go 1-1 in this game, Columbus-Philadelphia. I don't know if it's that Philly looked that good or Atlanta looked that bad. Obviously, Atlanta is... Uh, <laughs> they, they got a whole lot of problems to board down there. They got they're a coach not attacking the like hostage. they did last year. They're passing the ball you know, left, right, and back instead of they're attacking like they were last year. Uh, defensively, I don't know what's going on over there. He's... He's in the hot seat, that's for sure. That is true. Those fans are spoiled. They are, you know, crying because they lost it. Obviously, they don't know anything about soccer. It's, you know, 99% self-loathing, 1% happiness. They're, they've already had their share for the next 30 years. Do you have any thoughts, Bill, on uh, Philadelphia Union versus Columbus Crew? Uh, I, I like Philly in this one. Uh, Columbus is missing a couple key pieces there. And uh, and Philly is, is one of those uh, sneaky, tricky places to win. Uh, it's just, uh, 
uh, everyone's always staring up at the bridge or, uh, you know, trying not to, you know, choke on the fumes coming off the Delaware River there. So, uh, you know, it always, always plays into the, um, the allure the of the city. Of the home team there. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, a good fan base in Philly too. Um, not, not the, uh, 12th man we see other places, but they, they definitely have their home support and that's, that's a tough place to go in and take points. So let's move on now. Uh, also at 7.30, Red Bull hosts Orlando City SC. Alex, I know you, you have a lot to say about this game. Uh, wh- where are you going to take us on this? Uh, this is my lock of the week. I'm taking the Red Bulls over Orlando 2-0. Uh, I know we're going to miss Kaku will not be there, but that doesn't matter as you just saw this past week. I don't like Orlando's squad at all. dwyer Kleisten combination is not working. Defensively, there's question marks. Uh, Nani's looked okay, you know, but uh, I don't see them coming into Red Bull Arena getting points this week. So I'm going Red Bull 2-0. Obviously, a, a heavy Portuguese uh, population, a great area outside of uh, Newark by Harrison over there, and they were absolutely loving Nani. They sent out an emailer today, uh, you know, well, welcome Nani to our to uh, Red Bull Arena. Um, definitely going to be interesting. Definitely going to be. I think there's there's definitely going to be some people there in Portuguese jerseys. Definitely some Nani fans. Maybe you know welcome some new fans to Red Bull Arena that haven't had the chance to see MLS up close just because of of the player. Uh, Bill, do you have anything to weigh in here? Uh, I got a sneaking suspicion that this is going to be the reverse of the game that we played last year. Uh, I do not trust a back line that is Duncan Lade, uh, probably Tarek and Parker. Um, even with uh, you know nine thousand year old Nani and uh, and Dom Dwyer out there, so uh, I I got a bad feeling this one might end four uh, three for the Red Bulls, but uh, would not be would not be surprised at all if just uh, things just don't go well. I mean, who who knows if Kaku is going to play? Uh, is that he's bad. He's, he's out. Yeah, oh, Kaku is out. He's, he's, he's yeah. In yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So whatever. We we didn't need him last week, but. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout, but I think it's going to come out on top. Great build. Quick answer. Just give me a number. How many goals does Muil score on on Saturday? Uh, I think this is. Uh, I think it's four three. Uh, I think Bradley gets two, and I think Royer gets two. Okay, perfect. I I love Royer, and especially on that first. Uh, Muwil assist. I mean, he just put it right on his foot. That was almost like Terry Henry, where he just used another player to score. I mean, Muwil just put his foot out, and that ball what was a rocket. Really good looking stuff. Sir Alex Muwil, how many goals? How many assists this week? Uh, Muwil will not score this week. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that one this week. All right. The 10:30 game is another interesting one for us. LAFC hosts Real Salt Lake. Sir Alex, what do we have here? Uh, this is a revenge game of last year's playoffs where uh, Real Salt Lake shocked LAFC, knocked them out. Uh, LAFC this year is one of the top teams of the league. Uh, Carlos Valle is playing at an MVP-type level. He said he was going to. He uh, said he's going to win MVP. Uh, he is off to a phenomenal start. Uh, the fans of that stadium, the Bank of Los Angeles, California State, whatever you want to call it, is intimidating. Uh, Real Salt Lake's missing a couple guys. On the road, I don't think they do it again, so I'm going to go LAFC 2-1 in this one. Okay, I was really impressed by Real Salt Lake last week. Uh, Rushnak looked awesome. There's some good stuff going on in that city. Bill, 
LAFC versus Real Salt Lake. We know you're the historian, yeah. and and I know there are stats going around in your head right now. What are you thinking here? No, it's it's got to be LAFC. I, I think just especially coming off of last week. I mean, you know, Mike Pecky's a great raw raw guy, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do to get the team that got absolutely shellacked by DC last week and get them in the right frame of mind to go cross country again and go play a really good LASC team. So I'm thinking this one is going to be uh, uh, 3-0. slightly better, uh, a slight improvement for, for uh, RSL, but still a 3-0 win for uh, for LA. And don't forget, we also like had two red cards last week, so two guys on the defense are out. Corey Baird is out. I don't see them. You know, I know LASC has got a couple guys out, but Real Salt Lake's got a lot of guys out this game. I don't see them winning this game. All right, and now uh, I I know I sent you both a picture that really impressed me. It was for uh, one of the teams in the last game we're going to talk about, and that is the Sunday game, England Revs, who are going to host Cincinnati. Cincinnati coming off their first ever win as an MLS team, had a great home attendance, great home opener, and they took three points. You heard it here first. Did someone here predict that win, Alex? Did someone here predict that win? You know, you know I've been on Cincinnati. For, I've been on Cincinnati as season season started. I told you, going to Cincinnati is going to be a problem for these MLS teams, and you saw it this past week. And uh, that was, I think that was your upset of the week, your pick of the week last season. You came on the air, yes, you it guaranteed it, and we know what we're talking about. That's what, that's what we're doing here. We know what we're talking about. Um, now, I mean, well, what's shocking is point with the defense. They have ten goals in three weeks. Giovanni Savarisi's got a problem over there. He's got to fix it in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, that that that's not a good look for for anyone's squad. Um, has a lot of goals. Now that was an easier task at home with that great attendance, thousands of fans lining the street to parade into the new stadium. But now Cincinnati's going into New England, which is a really tough place to play. New England hosts Cincinnati. Alex, who are you taking here? Uh, you know, I don't like New England, but they're home this week. And Cincinnati, you know, coming off the historic first win. Uh, I do like Carlos Hill. Uh, they had not know how to pronounce it. Carlos Hill, uh, the new DP for New England, seems to be uh, doing some things over there. I'm going to take New England one nothing in this game. It's a tough place to play. Uh, Cincinnati is you know, emotional off the first win. They're not going to come back and go on the road to win. So I'm going to take New England one nothing. Oh, yeah, right. I always said it perfect. Yeah, uh, this is a classic hangover game for Cincinnati. And they're without uh, Kendall Watson and uh, with a, a couple other guys too. Um, plus, New England uh, uh, did not play well at the end of that game against Toronto last weekend. I feel like you know Brad Friedel is always trying to strike the, the fear of God into these players. Uh, if there's ever a week that they're going to respond, it's going to be this week against a team that's slightly wounded and and feel a little too good about themselves. Uh, so this one, I, I feel New England 2-0 uh, all day on this one. We'll go so far. All right, good stuff. Uh, it's going to be an interesting week for sure, and this is uh, one of the weeks that I, I'm definitely going to catch every MLS game. There, there, There's no question about that this time. Um, watching on ESPN Plus has been a great start to the season. Some of the streaming services for CCL were garbage, but for MLS, it's just been silky smooth. Just a lot of really great games to watch. Alex, I know you've been putting in double time at the beginning of this season. Um, I think we kind of already talked about our locks of the week, so we're just going to skip right over that. Um, upset of the week. This is a small slate, and I'm hesitant. But I think if I have to choose, I think Columbus has a chance to take the Union. We talked about this game a lot. Um, 
I have to because they that's the rules. I'm going to take Columbus in this one. Alex, you already talked about your upset of the week. Do you want to just throw it out there one more time? Yeah, I'm going to take Colorado going to Dallas and getting a result one nothing. Absolutely. And Bill, you you kind of already talked about yours too. Um, again, your upset of the week. Yeah, I, I feel like the upset would be uh, would be a Red Bulls or Orlando draw, and I, I could see that happening. Uh, that would definitely, I feel like that would definitely be an upset. All right, uh, yeah, for for sure. I mean, you know how it is at Red Bull Arena. That is a tough place to play, and you know how it is with attendance. The fans aren't always there, but Red Bulls have made that place their home, and really, really tough. They they picked up a lot of points at home last season. So they're going to make it tough. Um, it's going to be an interesting game. Again, uh, I've never seen Nani play live, so definitely something I'm going to look forward to. Um, it's going to be an interesting week. We're going to watch some U.S. men's team, and hopefully we'll be back really soon to talk. Sir Alex, is there anything you want to drop, any knowledge to drop on the people today? No, you know, uh, if, you know, if you're watching MLS, you've noticed the new trend where most of the teams are playing out of the back. And a lot of these defenses are giving up the ball in their last third field and getting hit on cheap goals and counters. Uh, yeah, you're I right. Think you're right. Tra- I, think, I think that's going to change going forward. Uh, it's If you watch the Rail so like D.C. United game, three goals given inside their own penalty boxes, giveaways, trying to play out of the back. I think that strategy is going to change. Absolutely. And you see it in baseball, you know, where, where baseball season's right around the corner, and they say, you know, um, it takes some it takes some time for for batting to catch up to the pitching sometimes, and in those first couple of games, you see scores you wouldn't really be used to. Um, definitely, I I didn't notice that until you just mentioned it. But yeah, I've seen a lot of <laughs> uh, defense coughing up balls. I mean, even in CCL, some of these MLS sides just sloppy defensive plays, like a back header. I think slipped past a goalie on one of them. Just yeah, some interesting. You also it's a copycat league. You also seen teams playing a high press like the Rebels do. Philadelphia is doing it. DC United is doing it. Houston is also doing well, it now. Well, Philadelphia Again, is yeah. is pretending to do it. I don't know if they. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Something well, wrong with the formula you know, there. That's their strategy. If you don't have the players to do it, obviously it's not going to work. But you know, that seems to be the strategy going right now with a bunch of these MLS teams. We'll see how uh, tactics change as the season goes on. Yeah, Philly surely is uh, miss- missing part of the recipe on that high press attack there. Um, Bill, anything you want to uh, sound off with? Uh, if anyone has any interest in the Argentine Superliga, uh, uh, three weeks left in the season, uh, very close race in the championship. Uh, top team is uh, Rossing, big team from uh, Avigenea, right after Buenos Aires, and the team that's chasing them is a tiny club called Defensa y Justicia, Defense and Justice. Uh, they're like three and a half points, uh, or like four points behind them, two games to play, and they play each other the final game of the season. So I'm hoping that they can uh, close that gap, and then you'll have a straight-up cup final uh, to end the Argentine season. So. Defense and justice. that They know in Argentina how to come up with team names. In, in the United States, we have uh, a, a team, names with a lot less tact, <laughs> if you will. Um Really, really cool, good stuff. Uh, Argentina's coming down to the wire. A lot of those South American teams are running down, and their season's almost over, which is really what makes CCL so tough for the United States. We're just getting into form now, and they're just coming off playing some of the most competitive soccer of the season. Good stuff, Bill. Bill, thanks again for taking time out of your busy week to to be with us here. Um, same with you, Alex. Um, hopefully this video will be up either sometime tonight. Maybe I will even... Uh, Edit it a little, uh, get it out early this week. Really good stuff. Um, as always, you can find us at i80 
Sports Media on Twitter at www.i80sportsmedia.com. You can find all our links to YouTube, to Google Play, to the Apple iTunes Store, all right there in one easy place. Bill, where can we find you on the internet? Um, all my stuff is at 1996ny.com, old school uh, Metro t-shirts and all the like. Uh, you can get a, a, a Alex Wheel shirt uh, this week. It's uh, yes. in uh, reminiscent of the Hot Wheels logo. It's just Wheel. <laughs> it, it doesn't say, I'm back. <laughs> That's what it should say. You thought you got rid of me. I am eternal. I am Alex Wheel. To our own Sir Alex, where can we find you online, Alex? I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> that's the, that's nowhere. No internet presence. <laughs> He's a man of the people. You can find him in the flesh at any Red Bull game, first row section. <laughs> uh, good stuff, guys. Thanks so much for, for being with us, and thanks for tuning in one more time.